Welcome to Parents for Military Freedom with your host, Silver Fox. Parents for Military Freedom, otherwise known as P4MF, consists of a group of moms, dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, and uncles who are standing with and supporting sons and daughters who serve in our United States military. They are being coerced, pressured, bullied, and punished for not taking the EUA COVID-19 vaccine due to religious reasoning, medical reasoning, or they just simply choose not to. The very freedoms they fought for and defend, theirs are being denied and voices being silenced. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, in other words, those who are distressed, going through hardship or facing adversity. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Parents for Military Freedom will be their voice. Good day and welcome to another episode of Parents for Military Freedom. It could be morning, could be afternoon or evening, wherever you're from. Uh, I am really excited to have our guest today, Lieutenant John Bose uh, with the Air Force. I sort of came across uh, Lieutenant Bose on a fundraiser that we were doing, and he was uh, gracious enough to send us a, a video uh, telling his story, and that's where our relationship started. And so today we have Lieutenant John Bose. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me, sir. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'd like to just start off by saying real quick that, of course, these thoughts and opinions are my own, and they don't reflect those of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Well, great. I tell you, um, before we get started, I just want to say um, from a father and a parent that I sincerely appreciate your service, and I sincerely appreciate what you're doing uh, for the thousands of military men and women that are basically being coerced pressured and punished for uh, refusing uh, not to take this vaccine uh, due to religious exemptions or medical reasoning or just choose not to. So thank you for uh, standing up for them and fighting. And so if, um, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure to do it. You know, uh, there's a lot of people just like me that are standing up and in fact, they're risking more. So I feel as if I have not so much to lose without kids or a wife, but uh, there are a lot of brave servicemen and women out there who are putting it all on the line, including mouths to feed, in order to stand for what's right. Uh, and that's the true moral courage that I see every day in this fight. I'd say, as far as is what I've kind of noticed in it, it's it's really getting a little bit more popular, so forth. Uh, there's a lot of men and women, basically, who I know when my son, um, who's in the military, uh, first, basically, when all this came out in August of 2021, I believe, is when the mandate came out. That's correct. Okay. Uh, a lot are basically saying, no, I'm not going to get the jab. I'm not going to get the shot. But when it really came down to push and shove and so forth, it's really kind of kind of hard. And I, I, I respect, um, you know, and I pray for those that uh, did take the vaccine. But again, I couldn't imagine the pressure that they were upon, uh, that was put upon them, uh, especially the ones who having family and been in this career for, I mean, we're talking officers and military personnel been in the, uh, the career for 18, 20 years and are, are choosing not to get it and also losing their positions. There are, there are, there are numerous members that I know of who are 19 years, a few months from retirement who have been told that they can't retire until they get the vaccine. And so, uh, like I said, those are the people that are, that are really the true moral courage that are, are giving up entire retirement pensions, which are you know a big part of many people's retirement plans. And, you know, on top of that too, future employment's kind of in jeopardy with, with some of the discharge characterizations that, that people are getting. So, 
this is this is really it's really an unfortunate situation to see the Department of Defense take people who have who have given their entire lives to this military and defending our nation and and they're doing it uh, in a manner that is detrimental both to the character of the United States military and a reflection of our, our government as well and you know it's it's all over a vaccine that still causes people to get covid and still causes people to spread covid so it's it's pretty hard to fathom why this is happening and why we are doing it over something that seems so inconsequential especially now that we've learned so much about covid and the vaccines yeah that is that is true i've been mean, telling you you know I mean, it's been two years, right, or a little bit more than two years. Now the science and the peer-reviewed journals are coming out. And I wonder why um, the military in all branches basically are still um, pushing this mandate, knowing if they'd actually do a little bit of research, they would find out, hey, maybe this isn't what it was really meant to be. Because usually when you have a vaccine, you know, you don't need to get boosted every four to six weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and like I said, it's, and then you don't get it and you don't spread it and so forth. So it's just, uh, it just amazes me that our, our military seems to uh, either ignore or not do their research and find out exactly what's going on with this vaccine. No, that's exactly why I'm speaking out is simply because, uh, you know, I'm not here to disparage military leadership or Congress. I'm, I'm simply here to bring awareness to this issue because I think so many commanders, especially in the military, don't really understand the full scope of this. They don't understand that this mandate is unlawful. They don't understand that denying religious, firmly held religious beliefs is, is contrary to federal law. Um, these, are, these are all serious issues, and they're being told by higher levels, in my opinion, that this is not a big deal, when in reality it is, it's a humongous deal. It's, it's a humongous violation of rights and liberties of service members. Uh, and that's what they need to understand. And I, I think to some degree they might end up being the ones to take the fall because you know, the higher levels of military leadership are, are, are I think, intentionally vague uh, about this. And when commanders take execution off of, of what appears to be an order that is, is not totally spelled out in full detail, uh, they're going to be the ones that potentially make mistakes and get themselves into trouble. Right. I tell you, you know, um, I, I reached out and I spoke to um, – a retired uh, Air Force uh, general, and I was really kind of curious, pretty much. And I mentioned this on the the last uh, episode, and it was basically, you know, asking him, "What do you look for, you know, when you recruit an individual, you know, for the armed service, um, and also when you're kind of recruiting for uh, the military for looking at military leaders, um, you know?" And again, as far as in, in the question I asked him, basically, his response was, "My answer will address what does right look like." And have courage to do the right thing and inspire others to do the same. And that requires basically having a moral compass. And this is from a retired general. And that means who is more important than what. And core values matter big time. And he basically said each service expressed core values at a bit differently. And that together they represent an extraordinary expression of who culture expectations for all military personnel. And he, then he gave me the links of different, and I, I pulled up the airforce.com. And if you look at, I'm sure you know, but if you look at the core values, the common bond that unifies us all, uh, we live and serve with a commitment to f- three core values. And the very first core value that the Air Force looks for is integrity. And it basically is an airman is a person of integrity, courage, and conviction. They may be willing to control their impulses and exercise courage, honesty, and accountability and in order to do what is right, even when no one is looking. And it seems like the men that they very much look for are the ones that they're 
trying to separate. Does that kind of sound look to what uh, what you may think? Uh, I think the people that are getting separated do absolutely have integrity. I, I think that they embody exactly what those core values are. You know, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. Um, you know, they, they have integrity first, and there's a reason that the word first exists there. Uh, at all, and that is that above all other things, the Air Force values integrity. And so uh, these individuals stood up, they, they put their integrity first, and then they put their service before self because they all swore an oath, especially officers and, and enlisted swear an oath as well, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And that's exactly what we're doing when we stand up and speak out about the illegality of these mandates is, is we're standing up for our oath to the Constitution as service members to support and defend the Constitution. And so, you know, I think that's a really important note to emphasize is that these service members, you know, we're not here to stick it to the man. We're not here to uh, disobey or be disobedient. We're here to stand up for our oath. And that's exactly what we're doing. And so now, I think we've made some degree been made to feel out like criminals uh, for what we're doing because we won't take this vaccine because we're violating a lawful order or whatever else uh, they might be using against us there. Uh, you know, putting our service members in danger, other things like that. Uh, I think none of that situation is true at all. We're, we're standing exactly for what we're supposed to do. We're putting our service before self and, and standing up for our religious beliefs and our constitutional oath uh, over our own personal comforts and, and freedoms. Uh, and then, you know, excellence in all we do. I think there's so many service members here who are, are absolutely outstanding individuals. Uh, Nick Cupper is a great example. I think he was a nominee for uh, Airman of the Year. Um, and there's so many other pilots that wow. I know, you know, are, are high hour deadly combat pilots who have devoted their lives to, to being competent aviators who are capable of hacking the mission for our service. And, and so, you know, these are excellent individuals with integrity and they're putting their service before self. They're doing exactly what the core values tell us to do. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not necessarily asking that we be made heroes. That's not, that's not the intent at all, but to simply have, have our leadership recognize the fact that we're just simply trying to do what's right and do what we were taught to do. Uh, we're not here to be criminals. Well, I tell you, that is, that is so correct. And in fact, you know, I, I think it's actually, I think we're gaining ground. Um, you know, I guess uh, uh, Nick Cupper was on Fox News, I think, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? I'm not sure on the time, on the date, it's like that. But that was really the, actually the first time that I've seen um, the Main Street Media News actually uh, say something as far as uh, what was going on Um Within our military, and uh, Nick Cupper is in the Air Force. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And he's uh, he was serving. Uh, I guess he served for 19 years, and I believe he had one more year before he was able to retire. Uh, that's correct as well. Yes. Okay. And he showed up on Fox, and he gave. Um, I guess it was maybe three minutes that he was allowed, maybe five. I'm not sure, but uh, he was given some time and so forth. And I guess he uh, he received a letter shortly after Fox. Um, is he separated from the Air Force or now that uh, this is a preliminary injunction, is it protecting him? Uh, yes, he's protected by the, the TRO right now. Or not the TRO, okay. excuse me, but the injunction. You know, I tell you, we talked a little bit before, and, and I don't want to get off base, um, but we have plenty of time. And I tell you, um, I kind of, you know, I, I, I read the letter, I think it was on Gateway Pundit uh, from his wife. And I'm not sure what her name is. I'll just call her Mrs. Cupper. <laughs> okay. But anyway, she wrote out an article and so forth and pretty much what they were going through as a family. And this, um, this mandate that is being forced upon our military 
service members, not only does it affect them, but it affects um, it, it affects the whole family unit, the the spouse, uh, the children, um, and I, I think. Um, and then I saw an article today came out on Gateway Pundit of a spouse that was standing up and wrote a letter to the Gateway Pundit expressing her concern on how her husband or spouse was being treated after he was found uh, not guilty and still um, is being treated um, badly. Were you able to chance to read that article or did you um, did you see any of uh, Ms. Cupper's, um, her response to Gateway Pundit? I saw both uh, Ms. Cupper's response and, uh, and and also the letter from the spouse. And I know personally the uh, the individual that the husband of that spouse that wrote that letter to the Gateway Pundit and, and you know heard his situation firsthand. Uh, his situation is really a great reflection of what's happening in the military in terms of of commands um, taking the liberty to do what they can to to harm these service members that have stood up. And I, I do mean it when I say harm, and that is that you know th- through judicial process, these service members have been uh, expunged of all guilt and and you know things like conduct unbecoming of an officer. They've been found not guilty, uh, but then the branches, especially the army, seem to be poised to take administrative action after that um, in manners that kind of circumvent that ruling and, and find ways to essentially remove these members from flying status or, or other 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 statuses in their career uh, simply because they stood up to these vaccines. And so that's really what I'm wondering about with the military is you see so much disparity in what happens between each branch, what happens between each command uh, as a consequence of these vague orders to simply say, make sure everyone's vaccinated. Uh, And what that creates is is a lot of chaos, but it also creates a lot of wrongdoing towards service members. uh, When you have some commands that in my opinion, take it personally that these service members haven't gotten the vaccine. Uh, and I don't think they understand that it's not personal. It's not because we don't like a leader or a commander. It's simply because these are our religious beliefs. These are the sanctity of our body, the sanctity of human life in the form of aborted fetal cells that exist in the testing of vaccines and the sanctity of the Constitution of the United States and our oath to it. Uh, and so but none of that is personal. And so it's unfortunate to see so many commands take it personally and, and go after these service members. Uh, and that, that's that's where I see... Uh, a lot of commands getting in trouble, and that's what I hope commanders will realize soon, especially at the lower levels, is that uh, they might be the ones that are held responsible for the actions they've taken. They're the ones that have signed the piece of paper, not Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Uh, and so there's a lot of liability here for commanders as well, and, and hopefully that they understand that and they realize that it's their oath too, it's their integrity too, uh, and it's their service that's going to be reflected on how these mandates play out. I'd say you're right. And, um, you know, another one, I, uh, the gentleman, uh, he was in the service and I, you, I know you know him pretty well. And, and again, I don't want to give any names uh, to kind of protect their identity type deal. But uh, he expressed uh, in this letter that he wrote to me um, that he was a, a Marine fighter pilot. And uh, he, I guess he's been, uh, if I remember correctly, he was, he has served for 19 years. And, um, so forth, and when he had basically filed his religious exemption, uh, they again, comp- uh, I guess, pulled his flight status or grounded him. And um, then also later on, uh, apparently, and correct me if I'm wrong, his wife uh, was excluded from a group uh, that kind of support these wives of these spouses that are in our military. 
I'm not exactly certain who you're talking about, but that's completely unsurprising. And you know, so many members who have filed religious accommodations have been removed from command status. I personally was removed from flying training uh, as a direct consequence of filing my religious accommodation, which is contrary to uh, Air Force regulation. Even. Uh, but, you know, the spouses are also hit pretty hard by this as well. And so uh, there's a lot of ostracizing going on where, um, you know, there's spouse groups and spouses speak out about what's going on with it, with their with their husbands or wives. And the spouse groups go, well, why don't you just take the vaccine? You know, the, many spouses in the military are, are staunch supporters of the vaccine mandates themselves. And that's largely because they, you know, speak with their spouses or their active duty spouses or they uh, they see it in the media. And so. You know, that's just a byproduct of the group thing that goes on. And so, yeah, it's certainly, certainly I've, I've heard plenty of stories of spouses facing uh, a complete lack of compassion and understanding from what their families are going through. And, and on top of that, nobody wants to listen. And that's really the important thing is that no one wants to listen to that perspective because uh, so many people in, in this fight have been vilified for, for what they're doing. Uh, and that's just an unfortunate consequence of, of the media and, and, and the, the rhetoric that the DOD has taken from the beginning, which initially was to some degree you're going to get a dishonorable discharge or at least we're going to attempt to um and you're going to be out by november a few months after the mandate came down and of course that didn't happen thankfully because so many people stood up but that was the initial stance and it's hard to forget that um and, and the fear that was that existed uh, because of that and thinking that potentially you could be a felon for standing up for your religious beliefs well, I tell you what, um, I want to get back on, I'm sorry for kind of veering us that way, but I really want uh, people to kind of know who John Bowes is. So if you could just kind of give us a little bit about you, your family background, because uh, I know you've had, um, you have family that's also served um, in the military. So if you can kind of just kind of let our listeners know, you know, about the man. Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up uh, in a military family. I'm a uh, fourth generation officer and, and both my parents were pilots in the Air Force. And so uh, I grew up surrounded by jets all the time. I wake up and hear jets taken off at pilot training bases where my father was an instructor pilot. Or, you know, I hear stories about him flying the F-15 Eagle, which is uh, at the time the air dominance fighter, similar to the F-22. Uh, and so uh, I fell in love with with flying culture and being around pilots and, and the attitude they had and kind of the macho confidence uh, and, and everything about it and just just the sound of jets, the sound of freedom, if you will. And so I devoted my entire life to becoming a fighter pilot. And I remember as far back as middle school, I, I somehow thought that the middle school science fair could potentially be a bullet point to getting me into the Air Force Academy and becoming a pilot. And of course, that's not true, but that, that, that mentality I fostered of everything matters and excellence in all we do, the core value, uh, is something that I live by in terms of just wanting to be as excellent as I possibly could in all aspects of my life so that uh, I could achieve that dream of mine. And so I got accepted into the Air Force Academy and, and did quite well there. I was a distinguished graduate and an instructor pilot in gliders uh, and then went to pilot training where I really fell in love with flying truly, uh, especially in the T-38, which is our supersonic fighter jet trainer. Uh, and so in pilot training, I, I, I succeeded quite well and ended up getting a slot to uh, fly the F-16, which is a dream come true for me. So I... Uh, July of 2021 is when I showed up to Holloman Air Force Base to fly the F-16. I uh, began training there and actually was pulled from training right after the mandate came down, which was uh, August 24th. So on August 24th, the mandate came down. Uh, and on September 21st, I was told I had two options. I could either get the vaccine or file for religious accommodation. That in and of itself is not that big of a deal. Uh, of course, I would happily file for religious accommodation in lieu of, of 
taking the vaccine. But the issue was, is I was also informed on that day, September 21st, that I would be removed from flying training as a direct consequence of filing my religious accommodation. And so, uh, of course, I still did it anyway because it's the right thing to do. But at that point, I had not even flown the F-16. Uh, and so I was pulled from training right before I was about to do my first flight and haven't flown since. And so it's been close to a year now since I have uh, been in training and it's been over a year since I've flown an aircraft. And so it's pretty unfortunate. I think to some degree grounding pilots is pretty dangerous too because, you know, it's a perishable skill. And so hopefully we get back in the jet, we can recover from that. But, you know, so many pilots have been grounded and it's been, it's been hurting us. I've seen it firsthand of so many pilots being grounded, especially on the Air Force side and the training side. And now other people are having to pick up that slack and work overtime uh, to fly when these, these members could fly easily. I tell you, as far as now with the ones that did take the vaccine, are you having, are you hearing any issues, uh, those who have taken uh, this COVID-19 EUA vaccine, as far as have they been grounded at all, as far as maybe with uh, due to some ad- adverse reactions where their careers are, have been um, destroyed? Those that have taken the vaccine, I know, I know of a number of, of service members who have taken the vaccine and have developed myocarditis, pericarditis, um, or other just absolutely awful complications. I know one one service member who's a flyer uh, has to sit in a bathtub for hours a day because he has these massive hemorrhoids and bleeding that he has to deal with because because of the vaccine. And so uh, there are certainly number of military members whose careers have been ruined simply because they took the vaccine. Uh, because of injury, and and those individuals too are, are are not just unable to fly, but they are unable to live life in the capacity that they used to. I know of one member who was supposed to go uh, fly for the Air National Guard, um, and he was a professional athlete, uh, a weightlifter, and now he struggles to even go upstairs uh, because of the complications of the vaccine. It gets him out of breath, and so. Uh, there, there are just so many members like that. One, of, one that really strikes out is, is an individual who had four strokes after getting the vaccine, uh, which is absolutely unheard of. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, certainly there are tons of people who are getting affected by the vaccine. And that's outside of those who have resisted uh, taking the vaccine. So uh, it's affecting people on all fronts and it's really hurting our military. And I think to a large degree, it's hurting our recruiting and retention as well. And the, the statistics for, for recruiting, especially are, are really, really bad this year, especially especially after the mandates came down. And so we've seen a massive exodus of military members leaving the service soon after August when the mandate came down. Uh, and our recruiting and retention is, is, is at the lowest it's been since 1999 in the Air Force, for example. Uh, so this is being affected on all fronts. It's not just this contingent of a few hundred thousand service members. Right. I tell you, you know, um, you know again, we talk about integrity. You know, you, you hear some of these Senate hearings or congressional hearings and, you know, you, you listen to the Secretary of Defense or you listen to the, um, the general and so forth. And they say this isn't uh, this is not affecting our military readiness. And you heard that for over a year. But all of a sudden now there's mm-hmm. now they come up it's like that. Now things are coming out. Hey, listen, this is actually uh, re- our recruiting process. Well, let's go ahead and see if we can pay them more. I think offering them a thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollar signing bonus for three to five years. But um People, I don't think they don't, I don't believe they get it. You know, it's, I don't believe it's the money. So I don't believe they, you know, want to put themselves to us and actually, you know, serve under these, uh, these circumstances. You're exactly right. Just even outside of, of the vaccine mandate, I think just the general, the general mentality of the military has changed drastically in the past few years. Uh, it's this, this woke military, if you will, where 
it seems to be the priorities of the military are not so much being deadly competent war fighters anymore but more so um, dealing with the societal issues of the times um, and focusing on those things and, and you know there is a place for equality in the military don't get me wrong and I'm certainly not advocating for anything or speaking on any controversial topics when I say that but I think the shift has been away from if you're qualified to do the job you're a part of the team and more so of uh, you will um, pay deference, special deference to these people, um, certain sects of people and classes of people um, in the military and, and give them preferential treatment. And so uh, th that's, that's an unfortunate consequence. And I, I've seen so many members, especially in the flying community, go, you know, the military is just not what it used to be. I feel like I have to check my back every time I say something. Um, and I really can't speak freely about issues of our times and, and do it in a respectful manner. So I'm going to go elsewhere to the airlines where I can make significantly more money and have my religious freedoms be respected there with a vaccine um, or religious accommodation, excuse me. Um, and so uh, you, you see it and the data is reflected in it. We've lost, you know, 59,000 people since August um, in the DOD and that's all uniformed military service members, which is an insane exodus. It's the greatest we've had in like 10 years. Uh, and just in the month of April alone, we lost more than 10,000 service members um, across the DOD. And that's also the most we've lost in a single month in, the la in more than 10 years. And so if you look at the trend, the trend begins right in August. And so I think the, the vaccine mandate was a breaking point for a lot of people. And so many people that I talked to also felt coerced. And they tell me all the time, like, I wish I didn't get it. Or I, I felt like I was forced to get it to keep my job. And that kind of coercion is, is not healthy for any organization, and it's something that's going to drive people away, even if they did get the vaccine, mm -hmm. because they're not going to want to do it again, and they know it's going to keep happening. So we're looking at a recruiting and retention crisis largely because of the vaccine mandate, and that's for vaccinated members as well. And so I think that's something that's missed by so many people is that although they're not speaking out, they're rather jaded. Right. Well, I tell you what, I don't know if you read this or not, but I've read something yesterday in our Senate and basically, uh, they're trying to pass a law, uh, don't test, don't tell. Did you happen to see that? No, I'm not aware of that. You know, because, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, uh, a senator, uh, uh, the New York senator type deal. I don't really know. I mean, anyway, he basically, again, they're, they're trying to pass a, a bill type deal as far as spending more money. And it's and then what they're wanting to do is, hey, listen, don't test, don't tell. You know, you can vote, you know, so it's almost like, oh, wait a minute here. So now we've gone from mandated testing, okay, and telling people that you've got COVID to don't test and don't tell, but come and vote. And it's just, again, we talk about integrity. It's, it's, it's hypocritical to me that they, that, um, it's just unbelievable. Uh, I heard an article, or I read an article, uh, Dr. McCollin, and the point was this, as far as uh, with all the Air Force pilots, and I wanted to check with you if you knew, as far as the ones that have taken these, um, these EUA vaccines, um, as far as are they being um, examined, physical examination, diagnosed, or are they kind of like, you know what, we're going to kind of go ahead and let you fly, even though you may have some issues, uh, because Dr. McCullough said that a huge majority of, of air, air pilots, airplane pilots, basically shouldn't be flying based on the adverse uh, effects of these uh, COVID EUA vaccines. Are you seeing anything that with the uh, with the Air Force as far as are they testing or physical exam or are they having any issues with that? 
the most I know of, and it's 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 still rather strange, is that if a, if a flyer it tests positive for COVID in order to return to their flying status, uh, they need to do an EKG, I believe, um, to check out check out their heart before they go back. And so, I, I think honestly, people say it with, with with a lot of very casually, like, "Oh yeah, I need to go get a test to see if I'm good to fly." That is unheard of. Uh, nobody has to take a test like that if they have the flu. No one has to take a test like that after you know, going out sick or getting strep throat or anything else of the sort. The simple fact that, that service members are, are getting COVID and then they're being told to have their heart checked out after they get it, uh, it is interesting to say the least. And so I think that shows that there's finally some some understanding of the risk, but just the, the level of casualness that, that, that is gone about it is, is strange to me. And so, you know, of course, uh, there's a lot of um, privileged information, medical information that can't be talked about. So, it's hard to speak to any of that exactly, but I think people are starting to see the writing on the wall with, with these health issues that are coming up. Um, and, you know, studies have been done by like Air Force Special Operations Command where they're seeing some decline in fitness ability, especially cardiovascular in their service members. And so uh, I think the writing's on the wall, and I think honestly to a large degree, it's, it's, it's being unfortunately ignored, or at the very least it's not known, and people are scared to speak up about it. So I think there is absolutely a, a health crisis in the making. I tell you, I want to go and touch a little bit on um, this article uh, on the Epic Times that was dated uh, June 24th. How did that come about? Oh, is this the one that uh, I was interviewed in? The, yeah, this is the one. The title of it is awesome. Uh, it says, God has called me to stand up. United States Air Force pilot facing discharge for rejecting COVID vaccine. I tell you what, you are a man that um, definitely has integrity. You know, you, your actions um, match the words that you that you share. You're not afraid to share your your faith, and I, I really appreciate that. So, yeah, how did that uh, that article come up? Yeah, so I, well, I appreciate the kind of words. Thank you. Um, but, you know, that article came up. I was reached out to by the mm-hmm. Epic Times, uh, Enrico Trigoso, who wrote the article, uh, and did a fantastic job with it. Reached out to me after I did a press conference with. Um, I believe it was either Children's Health Defense or, um, no, it was LifeSite News. That's what it was, uh, pro-life news site. So I, I did a, I did a press conference with LifeSite News, and, and Enrico reached out to me uh, and said he'd like to interview me and, and speak with me. And so uh, that was really kind of a springboard to a lot of other media opportunities, which is fantastic because, uh, you know, he let me kind of tell my full story like I'm doing now in terms of the background and, and what matters in this and what doesn't matter. Uh, and he did a great job representing that. And so... I was truly a blessing. I ended up on Epic TV because of it and, and, and met a lot of people who reached out to me through that article. Uh, but it certainly it does reflect exactly how I feel, which is that, you know, God has called me. And that's something maybe I missed in my personal story is that, you know, I, I was I was away from the faith for some time and came back into it shortly before the mandates and, and got really serious about my relationship with God. And you know, as a direct consequence of that, it, it's pretty clear how much he's rewarded me with, with success and speaking out about uh, these mandates and, and that's really you know what so many other service members feel is that you know this is a deeply spiritual experience for them um, in terms of, of understanding and learning exactly the truth behind these vaccine mandates especially in terms of, of what's in these vaccines that, that is morally abhorrent to so many people with, with the fetal cell tissue uh, that was used in testing um, and it's it's good to see that, that faith is being represented very strongly and it's, it's a clear sign that God always wins um, but at the very least, yeah, I think that that's a common issue, too, is the lack of compassion that, that the military has towards these service members with, with deeply held beliefs. 
uh, when they could very easily just approve these these religious accommodations with with no with no detrimental effect in military readiness. In fact, it would improve military readiness. Oh, I tell you what, I agree. I tell you, um, can you uh, can you just uh, kind of explain a little bit uh, for those who may not be aware as far as a little bit, you know, you were pretty much to the point when you were uh, on that uh, five-minute video as far as the, the fetal cells, you know, as far as descriptive, a little bit about as far as how these vaccines are being made. So, of course, so people, I mean, sometimes they think, well, it's just a vaccine, and they're finding out, well, maybe it's not really a vaccine. Maybe it's uh, more of a, a therapeutic drug type deal. But how are these um, how are these vaccines being made, actually, from the fetals? You know what I'm saying? Asking? Right, right. And, th- th- you know, this is really the thing that was so shocking to my conscience when I learned about it. And so I think so many people need to know, And you know, if you have um, young children, maybe cover their ears for this part because it's, it's really abhorrent. It's, it's horrific. And so um, these fetal cells that were used, you know, they were used in testing um, and they're used in a lot of other products too, shockingly enough. I believe Pepsi is one company that, that tests their products on these fetal cells as well. So uh, did I you would say, encourage everyone. I'm sorry, Pepsi. Did you s- Pepsi? Like Pepsi. C- Pepsi, Coke? Pepsi? Like Pepsi Cola, mm-hmm. oh it's it's everywhere, and oh. so I would encourage everyone to do their research on, on what products contain these, and of course, boycott them, um, like like I have done and so many others have done. But uh, these fetal cells were, were harvested in, if you want to say harvested, it was really through murder. Were harvested in uh, in the nineteen seventies, and uh, the process by which they did these, specifically for one cell, which is HEK two ninety three, that stands for Human Embryonic Kidney Number two ninety three. Um, the, these cells were harvested in the 70s through through abortions. Uh, they were elective abortions, but essentially most of them were cut out via C-section primarily because the child had to be uh, sufficiently grown to actually have distinct kidney cells. Uh, and so they would use C-section to remove these children from the womb. Uh, and so these children are living, breathing human beings. And, and then they are cut open without anesthesia to harvest these kidney cells. And so can you, I'm sure you can imagine the absolute pain that these children were feeling uh, when they didn't even have anesthesia because it would, it would lessen the viability of the kidney cells with anesthesia. Uh, and so these children died from injuries. They, they were quite literally tortured and, and dissected uh, while still alive in order to get these cells that aren't even necessary to generate vaccines. There's not a lot of vaccines that actually have these cells in the testing process. Uh, and th- that's just absolutely horrific. And, and, you know, many people argue like, well, the cells aren't in the vaccine and they use these cells for all different kinds of things. That's even worse in my and so many others' opinions that it's used for all other, all kinds of other things. Pharmaceutical companies should not be profiting off of this. And that's exactly uh, why I'm taking a stand on this is because they shouldn't be profiting at all from something like this. There needs to be a push and a boycott so that some other morally allowable product can be used to test these vaccines and i know it exists it's just simply that it's easy to use these cell lines right i tell you um I, there was an article and it basically it, it talked about as far as the um going to a uh says air force prepares for newly approved covid vaccine it's like that novavax provides a what option for unvaccinated airmen guardians are you familiar with that article Yes, I am. I'm, I'm very familiar with the Novavax. And, and uh, yes, it's true. Novavax does not use mRNA technology, which, to be fair, is, is, is another concept that many service members use for their for religious accommodations. And the fact that their DNA is sacred and given by God and modifying it would be wrong. And I completely agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nova, that's not the only issue with Novavax. Primarily, Novavax also uses fetal cell tissue. 
uh, and it's testing. So it's out for many service members automatically, but also it's emergency use authorized. And so uh, it's not approved by the FDA or excuse me, licensed by the FDA. That's the proper term is licensed. Um, and it's not been sufficiently tested just like all these other vaccines. And so uh, I don't think any service member should be coerced into taking an experimental drug and mm-hmm. simply put Novavax is not a viable solution um, for service members. And, and, you know, it really, it really fails to address also the, the simple fact that these EUA vaccines were pushed on service members in the first place, which is wrong. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's being preached as, as a Band-Aid, and to some degree it's being used uh, in light of the preliminary injunction to try and get more service members um, vaccinated, where, where I've seen uh, the DOD tell people like, well, we'll, uh, we'll let you PCS to your new assignment if you get Novavax, or we'll let you do this or that um, that you've wanted to do because you get Novavax. And so um, they're kind of dangling the, dangling the carrot out in front of you for, for this vaccine as well. Uh, which to some degree is in violation of the preliminary injunction in the TRO because vaccines should not be pushed on service members after this TRO, especially in the Air Force. Right. Let's go Let's go to that. So like that. Um, in July 14th, uh, Breitbart put out a, um, an article that says, Air Force cannot discharge troops who filed for religious exemption from vaccine mandate. And this is where Judge uh, Matthew McFarland, and correct me if I'm wrong, actually um, instituted a temporary – restraining order um mm-hmm. with the air force um is, is is that correct that's correct okay and i guess shortly after that uh that was being disregarded by the air force uh, as far as not honoring that temporary disorder and that basically comes through an article from trmx.com chief air force ignores federal judges ruling and presses forward with discharges so what's your – do you have any information on uh, those two articles as far as um, – I do know that, um, you know, we got great congressmen uh, such as um, Matt Gates. Well, I tell you, I like that guy. And also there's another one, uh, Thomas Massey. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of uh, – I kind of saw that um, where he, uh, I think it was on July 27th, actually was speaking to congressmen and women in the Congress Hall uh, – Basically telling them that, hey, these FDA approved so-called that you told our military servicemen and women that was FDA approved as well as a lot of the other American population really was not FDA approved. It was the same EUA um, that was being pressured and being issued. So pretty much you lied to the military servicemen and women that this was FDA approved and you were still given the EUA vaccination. And that's when you called the bait and switch. And – um so any information on that as far as uh, were you able to, to see his, um, his questioning? Well, I will say that I, I don't necessarily – I want to make it clear that I'm not accusing the Department of Defense of contempt of court when I say that there has been um, a general theme of, like I said before, just a lack of information down to the commands where they're given a lot of leeway and, and almost no guidance on, on how to go about this. And so, uh, yeah, the TRO said no adverse action and – and to some degree that's still happening uh, in a roundabout way. And so I, I've seen commands say, well, we're going to continue with the discharge process all the way up until not actually discharging the service member. Uh, and that's not considered adverse action because they're not actually getting discharged or just priming to discharge them in case this preliminary injunction doesn't work out for us. 
um, or we've been told, you know, service members are given deals with Novavax and things like that. And so it's hard to say what Judge McFarland is going to consider contempt of court or is going to consider wrong or not. I haven't heard anything from him on that topic. But at the very least, um, the DOD is, is taking the verbiage of that preliminary injunction and stretching it as far as they think they can. And they're being advised by Because it was... Go ahead. Right. It could be because the because um, McFarland actually gave the preliminary injunction uh, for the Air Force and Space Force for all those who are active and reserved who have filed a religious exemption, correct? Yes. Okay. So, therefore, with that preliminary injunction, just like the Navy, um, the Air Force, Space Force should be protected from coercion, pressure, and punishment for not taking the vaccine due to religious exemption, as long as you filed a religious exemption, correct? Yes. Okay, I was just kind of like, but anyway, so um, kind of see as far as where do you think as far as we're headed as far as the Air Force goes and the military? I'm very optimistic. I think at the very least, uh, hopefully we'll see a injunction for the Army and Marine Corps as well, which will round us out and and get all the branches covered and protected. Uh, Hopefully the Coast Guard as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say exactly where it's going to go right now. You know, I've been surprised nonstop and, and pretty much everything. And this fight has caught me off guard. I certainly didn't think that I was going to still be in the military a year later now um, from these mandates. But I would say generally the, the general trajectory of the courts and the fact that multiple different federal courts have, have ruled in our favor leads me to believe that we are going to win this. And, you know, this happened with anthrax years ago. And. We won that, and the Department of Defense, to a large degree, is using the exact same playbook that they use in anthrax. And we're fortunate now to be a very well-connected digital society, which normally I don't like. But in general, right now, it's been extremely helpful because we've been able to create these networks and spread the word and, and, and make the public very aware of this, this issue. Um, and, and thankfully, it's gaining traction even more so with, with congressmen like Massey and Gates. Right. Uh, but I, I am optimistic. I, I am certainly optimistic. But I, I think right now... Uh, nothing is really going to happen. I've reached out to so many different members of Congress and they all tell me the same thing, which is that I support you, but there's something I can do until the midterms, which um, I'll leave my personal opinions aside on what I think about that response. But uh, at the very least, uh, to some degree, they're, they're somewhat right in that Congress is kind of handicapped right now. And I hope they do something in 2022 because uh, that's really where the work is going to get done is that this issue is not going to be over in December, January of 2022. And the new Congress steps in, and hopefully it's a Republican Congress, in my opinion. But um, it, it, it's hard to say. The, 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 what I'm really trying to get at here is that uh, more action needs to be taken, and the American people really need to step up and, and go to bat for us because we need them right now. Because we, as service members, are largely um, unable to speak out in the way that the American public can and make demands of their representatives and of their military, which would they pay for with their tax dollars. Mm-hmm about fixing this issue. And so that's really what I'm encouraging the American people to do is, is they have more, much more power than they think they, they do. And, and the Department of Defense is aware of that and Congress is aware of that. And so if they can make this an election year issue in 2022 uh, and really force Congress to, to put their money where their mouth is or their votes where their mouth is really uh, and, and fix this, we can have it fixed by January. Yeah, I tell you, I agree. And that's what we're trying to do here with as far as parents' military freedom. We're trying to um, actually get this information out to, you know, I tell you what, John, you um, you might be calling you John or do you prefer Lieutenant Bose? John is just okay. fine. Uh, the more people I speak to, and I, I do um, speak to different organizations and, and groups, churches, and so forth, then uh, you, you, you would be surprised. And all, it's really sad. 
so forth, um, that a lot of people don't know what's happening within our military. And when I do speak to these groups and um, individuals like that, they're 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 very upset with what's happening. And so, and you just basically, you know, suggested that we continue to actually contact our congressmen and senators, not give up. And that's where we got to be really careful. Um, you know, that's, now is where we need to put the pedal to the metal. You know, I think I see, um, I see uh, growth. I see people being aware, people waking up. I see progress being made. Um, you know, again, like I said, a year and a half ago, we didn't see any congressmen stepping up as far as what was going on with our military. But now we're starting to see, hey, listen, you know, this is, and it's 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 bringing out an awareness uh, to these individuals uh, for them to act, but not to sit, but actually get in this fight and actually protect those freedoms, you know, that you all protect and give us our freedom. So it's it's time for us to uh, protect, uh, stand up and. Right for you all. Can you kind of um, talk about the group that you that you started? Because I tell you what, that's pretty impressive um, in story as far as the military's military armed forces for liberty. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's the Surrounds group. And you know, to, to be honest with you, I can't take full credit for that. That was a lot of people okay. um, working together, and, and of course, due credit to Dale, especially, uh, and all his hard work. Uh, his, his character is especially strong because he's doing this for almost no money uh, at all to, to represent um, close to a thousand plaintiffs, which I think might be the largest suit that we have in this fight. And, you know, his, his is targeted towards um, the emergency use authorization and the unlawfulness of the mandates, which is different than the religious accommodation side that's being represented by organizations like Liberty Council and Siri Glimstad, which recently got us our preliminary injunction. Right. So, you know, this is, this is an issue that needs to be attacked on all fronts because uh, what's most shocking about it is that there are so many different issues with this mandate that it needs to be litigated in multiple different fashions and multiple different ways, um, which really should shock people that this is not just an issue of religious accommodations, but so many other proportions as well. Right. Um, but go ahead. Attorney Dale Saran, he's the same attorney that actually uh, was in that anthrax uh, litigation, uh, what, 20 years ago, as far as with the anthrax mandate? Yes, he was also litigating an anthrax. So he's very experienced in this. Uh, and he's very competent in this, and he's got a lot of experience in federal court as well as um, in dealing with vaccine mandates specifically. And so he's well-versed in all this, and, you know, he's really eager to fight. But, you know, I, I came across Dale through some, some other people that are well-connected, and, um, you know, we just kind of had the idea to, to make this a large suit to get as many people protection as possible. And so, you know, we got as many people on the boat so we can potentially file things like emergency injunctions for individuals who are close to being discharged. And thankfully, we don't have to worry about that with the Air Force or Navy anymore. Um, but uh, it was certainly a group effort between Dale and, and his daughter, who's awesome, and, and everyone else to, to make this work. And so it, it's been very successful so far. And uh, we haven't seen much action because it's just recently it was filed. Um, and so things are moving kind of slow, especially in light of, of this new preliminary injunction. But at the very least, it's going to get a lot of people's safety and protection at a very cheap cost, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, as far as um, those who, um, I guess – People who want to donate uh, towards this uh, lawsuit, um, do you have that information? Because if you don't, I have that information. And we're actually put that on our website as far as um, – because you did say Attorney Dale Saran pretty much is um, kind of basically flipping the bill. I mean there are some people who are involved as far as donating, um, but you know, as far as representing this large group, it is quite expensive, isn't it not? Yes, yes. And I would encourage everyone, if you're so willing, please donate to the effort. That would be 
absolutely wonderful to, to be able to, to further these efforts because, you know, there are service members who simply just can't afford even a small price. And so if we can help those service members uh, get their get their coverage and litigation and help Dale, who is not requesting anyone do anything other than just pay a little money that they can. And so um, it, it would be very good to support some of those service members who have wives and children and mouths to feed and don't make a lot of money, especially our enlisted personnel, our junior enlisted personnel. Um, I will, I will a, a caveat that, that Dale Saran's organization is not a 501c3, so your donations aren't tax deductible. But nonetheless, I think it's a very generous way to use your money and it's going to an organization that you can trust and is doing good work. Um, right. And I tell you what, and it's, um, if I don't forget, but it's uh, HTTPS uh, colon slash slash accountant.venmo.com slash you slash Dale Saran ESQ. And I'll have that uh, on our um, podcast uh, for those who want to donate towards this this cause. And I'm finding out it's like that that um, you know again there's several different lawsuits. I think there's 29 different lawsuits last I've counted. 29 different lawsuits that are actually occurring through different organizations, and it's not really that they're separate because I is our attorneys helping one another in these um, lawsuits. Oh yeah, there's certainly a lot of crosstalk between lawsuits, and, and I know money, plenty of attorneys who are speaking to many different members that are all actively litigating this. And so uh, it's a small world. It's a well-connected world. It's, it's, it's a pretty impressive to run across so many different people in so many different places that I already know and other attorneys that I know. So uh, they're certainly all talking to each other and working together in this effort. It's definitely a grassroots effort at its core. Well, I tell you what, um, is there anything else you want to uh, discuss before we, we go into a closing type deal as far as do we hit quite a bit or do you just, um, do you have any closing remarks or information that you want to share to our listeners um, as far as any ideas, what they can do to help uh, facilitate these other than contacting our congressmen and our senators? Sure. There, there are a lot of great organizations that you can work with. And but, but ultimately, like I say, is, you know, that there are things that are effective and there are things that are not effective in terms of, of gaining traction for us. I, I know so many people think that writing their congressmen is almost cliche and they're going to get a, a canned response that, amounts to really nothing in terms of action, but I encourage everyone to still do it anyway, because the more people that do it, the more it shows up on their radar and the more service members are encouraged or not, excuse me, members of Congress are encouraged to, to speak out about this. And so, you know, you have to think about Congress in terms of uh, publicity to some degree, because, you know, that's how they keep their jobs is, is being renowned and getting votes. And so if their constituency uh, demands that they handle this, uh, that's, that's job security for them if they take care of it. And so I'd really do encourage you to speak to your Congress members, speak to your local state representatives as well, that they're, they're a lot more enthusiastic and have a lot more free time. And so you can speak to them. And there are so many other organizations that you, you can, you can support like stars, which is stands against racism and radicalism in the services. That's S T A R R S dot U S. They're a great organization of retired general officers who are doing a lot of work for us um, as well as truth for health foundation, which is doing a lot on the medical health side of the vaccine mandates. And so uh, those are all organizations I've worked with closely and organizations that I trust. Uh, and I would encourage you to support them if you can. Uh, and finally, you know, just carry an attitude about you as a U.S. citizen that this is a defense that you pay for. This is the defense that you expect from our military. Uh, and that's the attitude that you should have is you are a taxpayer who expects your national security to be as strong as it possibly is. And it's not right now. And so you need to speak to your representatives and service personnel and everyone else around you and on social media about the fact that this is not a snuff and our secure, our national security can be better and you expect it. And so uh, I would encourage you to carry that attitude because you have a lot more power than you think you do. 
but with that, I just I'd say thank you and God bless for for listening, and I appreciate your time and and, and dealing with this this mandate with us. Oh, I'd say, is there any um, information as far as um, you know websites or I know Military Freedom Keepers is is an excellent organization. I, I get a lot of my information, kind of stay up to date, try to stay up to date as my apologies, um, best I can. Is there any um, other, other than Military Freedom Keepers, uh, if, if people want to stay involved as far as what's going on with their military? Yeah, I'd say Freedom, Military Freedom Keepers is a great organization, absolutely. Um, and just in general aviation uh, and airlines as well, Josh Yoder's organization, um, Military Freedom Flyer, or Freedom Flyers is, is a great organization as well. And so uh, there are a lot out there. Um, and I would say, yeah, stars and truth for health is also, are also great organizations that I can vouch for and work for personally. But, uh, there are a lot of organizations out there that are doing good for us. Uh, Liberty council is another one. They're doing active litigation. They're the ones that got the, uh, TR or the preliminary injunction for, for the Navy. And so, um, like I said, just, if you just Google military vaccine mandate and find an organization that seems to be doing actionable work, I think you can find organizations that you'd want to support. So, uh, there are a lot of groups that you can work with. Um, but certainly the ones I've spoken about are, are ones that I can personally vouch for. Okay. Um, another thing before we, we close, um, if, if, there's a, if, if there's a mom and dad that has a son or daughter that's going through this, this, you know, this purge type deal as far as who can they contact uh, with your group like that to get involved with this, um, this lawsuit so that they can be protected as well? Well, of course, they can contact Parents for Military Freedom, and I think Parents for Military Freedom can absolutely direct them to me. I have a lot of resources and, and communities that we can get service members to. Well, I tell you what, um, if it's all right with you, I'd like to pray for you and also pray for all those who are actually going through uh, the coercion, pressure, and punishment. That's all right. Certainly. Okay. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for uh, John Bose, Lord Father. Thank you for uh, giving him a platform. Father, that he's able to reach out and to speak to others and to share what's happening within our military. We ask that you continue to give him favor, give him insight, give him wisdom, Lord Father, and what direction to go. We pray for the attorneys that are involved in these litigations. We we pray for favor uh, that um, that they receive, Lord Father. We ask that you give them wisdom. We ask you give them rest, Father. We ask that you protect our military sons and daughters across the board, Lord. Thank you for our military sons and daughters that uh, give us the freedom that we enjoy, Father. We ask that you would continue to bless and watch over them and be with their families in Jesus' name. I tell you, John, I really appreciate you taking the time and um, uh, sharing your story and um, all the information you have. Um, you're a blessing, and, uh, and I sincerely appreciate what you've done with my son as far as, um, you know, giving him the opportunity to uh, be protected and and you know, again, sharing this information with all of us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, I tell you what, um, thank you for listening to uh, Parents for Military Freedom. And again, we appreciate um, uh, John Bowes and what he's doing. And we ask that you continue to pray. If you're wanting to continue the information, you can always go to our, our um, just Google Parents for Military Freedom or P4MF. Thank you. The wisdom of God's word pushes us to move past our affiliations, comfort zones, and tells us that each of us can be an advocate for those we come across that need our help being heard and who don't have access to the justice they deserve. For more information, or you would like to contact Parents for Military Freedom, our email address is p4mf at proton.me. That is p4mf at proton, P-R-O-T-O-N dot me, M-E. 
Parents for Military Freedom, or P4MF, is on all social media platforms, podcast listening platforms, Rumble, and YouTube.